The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, everybody. It is that time again. Welcome back to Afternoons with Mike. Heard daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network. Got Jim Subers with me today. Jim is with Vision Orlando. He is uh, our quarterback for the whole leadership efforts and uh, when I say quarterback, it really, it's not, it's not out of the whole football realm either because Jim is also a former football player with my team, the Florida Gators, who had kind of a rough weekend. So Jim Subers, it is great having you here, man. Well, thank you, Mike. It's great being here. Yeah, for all of us Gator fans, it was a tough weekend, but um, it's always tough because i I played back in the late 70s, 1980, the Buck Blue Lindsey Scott was my senior year. Yeah. And that would have been our first SEC championship that year. And and they always play that that playback. Uh, yeah. I'll have I'll have uh, uh, somebody will always call me and say, hey, I heard the uh, Buck Blue Lindsey Scott play again. <laughs> you can uh, Keep thinking it's a bad dream, but yeah, it's like just keeps going over and over. (laughs) It won't go away. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But the the Gators have seen some really fantastic years, and we were up there, living there during the whole Urban Meyer uh, era, if you will. And one of our players uh, for the Gators was a member of our church. I don't know if I've ever told you that or not. Billy Latsko. Oh, neat. And he was a Buholtz, uh athlete. He grew up playing football for uh, for the clubs that they have there, the boys' clubs, etc. And uh, then he got he got on into high school and was a star player at Buholtz, mm. and then was a walk-on for Florida under Ron Zook. Mm. And uh, Ron Zook, who ended up being a member of our church up there when we were there as well, so... Ron and Denise became friends of ours, and that was such a fun season. And, of course, you know, that season didn't last terribly long for Ron. Mm. But Billy went on to play, uh, became a he became a uh, scholarship player. That's and, awesome. And got to play with Tim Tebow, obviously. And uh, won, he was on that first championship team mm. Mm. when uh, Tim, I guess, was, what, a freshman, I think, or sophomore? Yeah, he, no, he was a freshman, I think, yeah. when... when uh, when they won against Ohio State. Yeah. yeah, and that was a great year. And so Billy has one, and I've got to wear his ring before. That was kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's some serious bling right there, my friend. But Billy's it was a great player. But my goodness, I know that you recently got to go on the sideline. And uh, so tell us a little bit about your year this year with Billy Napier being the coach. And uh, all of our Gainesville fans are going to be perked right up and listening to this, man. This yeah, is cool. I'm, I'm a, a big fan of Coach Napier. He's a he's a Jesus follower, and uh, I think he's building the right way. You know, we're an impatient culture. We want things now. Oh, and the yeah. I, the idea of giving a guy time to rebuild culture, to rebuild team. You know what what the old saying is? It's it's not the X's and O's. It's the Jimmys and the Joes. And uh, you know, you mentioned you alluded to Ron Zook. He um, he did a great job recruiting. He really did. And uh, they didn't give him enough time. But but he when uh, when uh, when he was there, he had rebuilt the recruiting for for Florida. And that's what that's what Billy's doing now. We got a phenomenal recruiting class coming in next year. And um, the. Uh, we just got to have some patience. Yeah. Now, I, a top recruit was signed to what as late as last week, right? Yeah. It moved us up a little higher. I think mm-hmm. they said if we get one more like that, we'll have the best recruiting class in our history. Wow. That's how that's how close we are. So Coach Napier is doing a great job in rebuilding culture. We just got to, you know, our impatient culture, we just got to give him some time. Yeah. And and as a former player, you know, I'm one of the old big uglies. I played offensive line under uh, Dickey and Pell. And, um, and, you know, you're kind of forgotten about 
once you graduated and out of there, unless you were an all American or, or a, or a major donor to the, to the booster mm-hmm. club. Mm-hmm. So then you get uh, streets named after you. Yeah, right? exactly. So, which, <laughs> which I understand. I mean, is it, you know, you figure that you've got, uh, uh, 20, 30 guys each year that are graduating. Yeah. That's a lot of, that's a lot of players, uh, over the course of 10, 20, 30, 40 mm-hmm. years. Yeah. So, but, uh, but Coach Napier has given guys an opportunity that former players to come on the sideline during games. So for the first time in 40 years, I got to have a sideline pass to the wow. Florida-Tennessee game, which was, a, which was wonderful. I got to see some of my old buddies. And, and uh, in fact, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, when, uh, when Danny Werfel was at Florida – one of the coaches on the team was Jimmy Ray Stevens. Jimmy is a good friend of mine, and Jimmy was had been Danny's high school coach, and he was one of Spurrier's staff. My daughter, like so many 12, 13-year-olds back in the day, all had crushes on Danny Werfel because he was this godly quarterback yeah. for the University of Florida. Of course. Well, so for my daughter's 13th birthday, we had a bunch of uh, a bunch of her buddies, like 12 of her girlfriends celebrating her birthday together, and... I had arranged with Jimmy Ray to bring Danny to down before the stadium had been the the south end zone had been remodeled um, to meet Joy and these girls on a Sunday after a football game in the stadium parking lot. So um, we uh, the night before we'd given Joy a note that's as she was opening her presents it said. Dear Joy, I look forward to meeting you tomorrow, tomorrow Danny Werfel. And she screams, falls backwards. All <laughs> her girlfriends like, are fan- all her girlfriends are fanning her. <laughs> and uh and then we take we take uh, uh take Joy and the girls to the stadium to meet Danny. And so yeah. they had worked on a song together. They sang a a song to the tune of Akuna Matata. That was the, you know, Lion King was the, oh, yeah. was out at about that time. Uh, Danny Werfel, what a wonderful, you know, something. It was, but anyway, it was a fun song that they said. He loved it. He said, ah, I've got that CD in my car. I love it. <laughs> and, um, and then I said, Danny, all these girls, 12, 13 year old little girls would love to have a boyfriend like you someday. Why don't you tell them what it is that you look for in a girl you'd consider dating and potentially becoming your wife? Wow, that's so, no, that's a great. Uh, so it was, a, it was a setup. I should have been a radio host. Yeah, like you, I right? think I so, man. <laughs> I mean, that's just great. Well, you obviously have the voice for it, my friend. So I, so Danny, it was like the perfect setup because he says, "Well, let me tell you about my girlfriend. She's got a phenomenal smile, but you know what? The most important thing is she loves Jesus with all her heart, and that's the number one priority for me." Oh wow! Now that that message went right into my daughter's heart. Isn't boom? That As a twelve, thirteen-year-old little girl, she said, "All right, if I want a guy like Danny Werfel someday, Jesus has to be number one in my life." Mm-hmm. So I, I so so the funny kind of segue into the Tennessee game is so I go to the sideline, and who's on the sideline? Danny Werfel talking to Shane Matthews. And yeah. I, I walk up, I said, Danny, hey. And he said, Jim, I haven't seen you. Hey, your daughter sang me that Kakuna Matata song. <laughs> That's I said, an okay. Awesome story. I said, all right, Danny, I got to get you on video saying hi to Joy. It's her birthday today. So so we got we got a little video of, of him greeting her. Oh, and my god, Celebrating that. But, you know, I've I've said this for years. There's not a Gator fan that's going to stand before God with an excuse because of Danny Werfel and Tim Tebow. Anybody that's a Gator fan has heard the gospel. Yeah, <laughs> and weird. seen it under Tim's uh, on his cheeks when he would paint John three sixteen right there. Yeah, both those guys. Have yeah, been, and 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 to your point, talking about Latsko and Ron Zook, there's always been a remnant of true Jesus followers in and around the Gator football program. And uh, like I, I went back in the spring game, I got to see Bill Carr, who had, was our former athletic director. And, he, you know, he was our FCA advisor back when I was in school and was such a godly influence and a great leader. And just being able to reconnect with him 
Mm. And uh, it just, I'm, I'm grateful for the, you know, I think the, the year that I signed with Florida, Playboy had ranked the University of Florida as the number one party school in That's the nation. That's right. <laughs> An infamous title for sure. Yeah. But in the, you know, in the midst of that, we're sitting up to the bound there and there's grace abound also, right? In the midst of that, there was a, a, uh, some of my dearest friends for life have, have uh, come out off of that team. Mm-hmm. So people that have really, I mean, I, I remember I met my wife at FCA at uh, University of Florida. We were, um, we had a, a, um, uh, we were not having that many guys come into the meeting. So I was the vice president that year. I think it was my sophomore year. We were, we were, had a brilliant idea. You know, if we can get some pretty girls into the FCA meeting, we can, <laughs> we can get some more of these, uh, some more of these guys coming. So I knew a couple of the cheerleaders and I said, Hey, can you bring some of your roommates to FCA? And, uh, sure enough, they did. And walked my wife. Oh, wow. Uh, Never met her before met, that moment, huh? No, she's now she claims that we saw each other in a class, uh, in a, in a class, but we, I hadn't met her before okay. that. And, uh, and I was hooked after that meeting. That's great. So, so. well, you didn't realize that you were self-serving. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's a wonderful story. Yeah. I have to ask this because knowing athletes that have played there at Florida, and we had a number of them coming to our church, uh, Gideon Ajagbe was up there mm-hmm. during that time. And Max Garcia, mm-hmm. who went, he left Florida and he, you know, his uh, NFL team that picked him up was the, the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. And that happened to be Peyton Manning's last year there. And they win the Super Bowl. Wow. So his first year out of playing Florida ball He's got a Super Bowl ring. Wow. And uh, so we, we got to see these guys. I would like to know, from your standpoint, man, you you were a Gator back in the day when things weren't uh, quite as, as big there as they are right now with all the stadium improvements that they've made and just the swamp becoming as ferociously known as it is. What was it like for you to be on the sideline of the Tennessee game? That was a big game, too, for the Gators. They won that thing. And I don't think anybody gave them a chance to do that, but they right. did. What was it like for you? How would you compare when you played for the Gators and what you experienced that day? Well, it's interesting when you when you play. You obviously the crowd noises and the the energy in the stadium is something you experience. But this, I don't know that there's a big difference between seventy six thousand and ninety six thousand. I mean, it was. It was uh, obviously the stadium is is bigger and it's uh, it's fully bowled in now than yeah. when it when in the late seventies, but but um, when you're playing, you're pretty zoned into your assignment and uh, and um, I don't remember I don't remember um, the during the games I don't remember the environment of the stadium as much as I remember just the energy of the of the the game itself and um and being on the sideline this time was very different because I wasn't in the game so I wasn't focused on assignments and and you become more aware of your surroundings exactly exactly so it it's amazing how when you when you play, you can kind of tune everything out except kind of your assignment, your role, what's happening. But but when you're on the sideline and you're not playing, you get to take it all in. So that was pretty enjoyable. Well, it, f- let me tell you, playing for seventy six thousand, my friend, that's not chump change right there. Few yeah. players in their entire life ever get to experience what you got to experience at that level. D one football, Gators, even then, big stuff. Yeah, it was a it was a real privilege, real opportunity. You know, back in those days, SEC was still the top. I mean, we Alabama won the SEC won the national championship twice while I played, and Georgia won it once. So it was a you know, and we were we were playing. Uh, we played Alabama, I think, to a fourteen ten game uh, in Tuscaloosa my uh, my sophomore year. Um, and, uh, and then obviously that Georgia game that we should have won the 1980 Buck Blue Lindsey Scott play at the end of the game that, mm-hmm. that 
they ended up winning the national championship and we missed our first SEC championship. But those are great memories. And, and more than anything else, it's the relationships yeah. that you build. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Well, that's really exciting to hear uh, that kind of a perspective coming from the sideline at a big game like that. And for you to be invited uh, by the coaching staff there at Florida right now and all these other players like yourself, uh, man, that's so cool that they are giving some honor to whom honor is due. And I'm really grateful, Jim. Thanks for sharing this. I know all of our uh, listeners in the Gainesville area especially are, have enjoyed these uh, moments as you kind of reflect back on that. And, uh, you know, just one final thing, uh, because uh, we're kind of coming up here to toward the end of this segment. What are your thoughts about, you know, we, we've talked about the fact they won against Tennessee. Now, Georgia, the number one team, I don't think it was a big surprise that we lost that one. We've also got a big game, the big rivalry game coming up at the end of the season with FSU. And they're ranked high this year. They're doing great. What are your thoughts about that game? Well, um, obviously, that's uh, with rivalry games, you never know what's going to happen. In that's fact, right. we, look, we look back, uh, if it wasn't for the, the fourth down, it kind of turned everything around at the, end, at the beginning of the second quarter of this last game. Who knows what could have happened? I mean, Georgia has better players, but... When you have a couple turnovers, it changes. It mm-hmm. changes everything. So, mo- the big bow, the momentum got really sh- shifted at the beginning of the second quarter this last week. But with rivalry games, you never know what's going to happen, particularly against FSU. Yeah. So i i i uh, I have a lot of confidence in the resiliency of this team. They're young. I mean, if you look at, I think we've played more freshmen than any other team in Division One. Uh, have started or played significant amount. We've got a very young team. Which is going to make a big difference next year. Exactly. And then we have one of the top recruiting classes in the country coming in. So I, I've i got hope that, you know, these are all, even Arkansas, we have, they've consistently given us trouble. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so you know, Arkansas, Missouri, and, and uh, LSU and Florida State, none of those are, are no. going to be easy. This was a tough year. I mean, even in game one, I mean, you know, that is, uh, that's just a tough thing when this happens and you've got a schedule like what they did. They used to play kind of chump chump teams on um, the first game or the first two games. That has not happened the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, I've got, uh, I've got confidence that Billy's going to have them ready and, uh, I got to believe we're going to get at least one, maybe two out of these next four. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and if FSU is one of them, that would be, uh, that'd be a fantastic way to end the season. It would be awesome, wouldn't it? I think that would be uh, like the golf shot that everybody makes, that one shot that keeps them coming back. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's what it is. Jim Subers with Vision Orlando, my guest today. And it is always great to have Jim here. We're going to be talking when we come back about leadership. And we've seen a crisis happen in the United States Congress in the last couple of weeks that ended last week with, I think, a a fairly surprise ending and a good one at that. We'll be talking about leadership and its importance. When we return with Jim Subers, this is Mike Gilland. I'll be right back. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. My guest today is Jim Subers. Jim is with Vision Orlando. I mentioned 
his being a quarterback. Now, if you just tuned in, you missed our talk about football. Football's been a theme for me here lately, and (laughs) it's caused me to watch more football this year than I've watched in years. Now, I've been a Gator fan forever uh, since I moved to Gainesville in 02. Yeah. Man, I, I've been watching NFL games this year, and it's not because of Taylor Swift. I just want to make that very clear. Uh, well, I, I've actually seen some Chiefs games because we lived in Kansas City for 20 years. So, oh, yeah. So we're Chiefs fans. Yeah, I see like Patrick Mahomes and oh, yeah. you know, all oh, of yeah. that. I mean, what a player he is, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they lost last night, though. So Yeah. Was it? Yeah, I guess it was a Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and well, when they... um. You know, they start having Taylor not be there. You know, their their mascot's <laughs> gone away now. So. But anyway, going back to the point of leadership, I mentioned quarterback, you being a quarterback for this movement that I'm privileged to be a part here in the Central Florida, and it is this transformational leadership. Mm-hmm. Andy uh, was up here, Andy Searles, and we did an entire program after our big workshop that we had uh, several months back. And we talked about what happens when a group of leaders get together and how how incredibly important it is when uh, this whole thing starts to happen and it's contagious and people are wanting to see changes in their community. It it doesn't take a lot of people to bring about a huge amount of change uh, in in a community. And when I think a lot of us think that we have to be the, the big majority and the big uh, overwhelming number. And it really is not that way, is it? No, it isn't. In fact, a study done out of Harvard, uh, Dr. Chenoweth did a study where it takes 3.5% of the culture to transform. Uh, it's not a, it's just a remnant. And, and um, if you just look at our tri-county area in central Florida, we, we've got uh, 2.5 million people. Uh, Barna would say that 65% of that group identifies as Christian. Well, we know that it, probably half of that's cultural Christians. They go to church once or twice a year, uh, maybe never, but they maybe were raised right. believing in God. Right. But maybe half of that truly yeah. love Jesus, but they're siloed or disconnected. And you know, if you if you go on to uh, Google and you type in how many denominations are there, the World Christian Encyclopedia will tell you there's thirty three thousand. Wow. We are really good at separating as Christians. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, but I believe, and you know, Jesus said this, he said, the, the world's going to know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. And one of the last things he said in, in as he was in the upper room with his disciples, uh, before he was crucified, he talked about, he, he told them that he wanted them to be one, but he also prayed in the high priestly prayer, father, I would that they would be one even as you and I are one, there's, there is power in unity And Jesus knew it was going to be critical for them to survive what they were going to be facing their unity. And it, it was said of them later, he said, you know, these, these who have turned the world upside down have come here also. When it was said of the disciples, they, they, that group of 120, well, 12, then 120 in the up in it were in hiding the room, in the upper yeah. room. Mm-hmm. That they ultimately turned the world upside down, yeah. a, a, a ragtag small group, yeah, to, because they were together in the way they loved God, the way they loved each other, and even in the way they loved their enemies. So, um, we shouldn't be losing our culture right now. Mm-hmm. We, we have. Uh, you know, even if we're only 20 to 30% of the culture that are true followers of Jesus, that's even in our little community of 2.5 million, that's hundreds of thousands of Jesus followers in central Florida. All we need is a remnant 3.5% to come together in agreement to, to love their neighbors. Well, to work together for, um, the good of the city. I mean, I, you, you, you mentioned, the uh, the transformational leadership gatherings that we've had, and uh, and I think you were your wife had, had just had surgery, so you weren't there. But we've just renamed the um, the organization as 
four, the number four yeah. Central Florida, the four standing for four greats, the great commandment. What's the great commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your second is like unto it, your neighbor is yourself, right? So those are really the great commandments. Then you got the great compassion, which would be um, the idea that Jesus has called us to love those on the margins, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, the least of these you've done unto me. And uh, and so you got the great commandment, the great compassion. Then you got the great commission. All Christian people have heard the Matthew 28 great commission. It's actually mentioned in all four gospels and in the book of Acts where we're supposed to make disciples of all nations. And then, obviously, the great collaboration, the importance of unity working together as believers. And if we would, wow, if we do yeah. all four of those things, we're not going to lose our culture. Right. We, they turn the world upside down with 120. If we would come together in unity and stay, instead of separating on a lot of the minors, but come together on the major that Jesus is King, Jesus is Lord, and we're going to, we're going to, love each other and love our neighbors as as Jesus tells us to, then we can see transformation in our community. No doubt about it. And when we look at those early years of the gospel, the first century Christians, they had their hands uh, full with lots of things going on in their culture. It was not a cakewalk for them. <laughs> no, as a matter of fact, you know, the uh, Jesus... I mean, I've, I've been fascinated in studying John 15, 16, and 17 a lot because, yeah. you know, this is kind of Jesus's last words, mm-hmm. last prayer before he's he's d- basically tortured and then put on the cross for our sins, yes. right? Um, so what's he telling these guys? And he talks about abiding in him, right? He talks mm-hmm. about, about the necessity that, Apart from him, we can do nothing. That it's it's through our relationship with him, and and the presence first. of the Holy Spirit. And the, he says, "I it's better that I go away because yeah. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit." Right. Yeah, that's an amazing thing, right there. He talks about the importance of them being in unified with one another, right? And then he also goes on. He says, "And you know what? The same joy that I have with the Father, I want to be in you." In and I want you to have fullness of joy. So he's, can you imagine after he's crucified, those guys sitting around, going, why was he talking about joy? Look what just happened. Yeah. But the, the recognition, what, what the psalmist tells us that in his presence is fullness of joy. Yes, yeah, God, right. God, it's only the only way we can, manage the tough stuff in life yeah. is with the strength, the joy strength that God gives us yeah. in our abiding and in his presence with him. Yeah. And he, he's not called us to do it alone. He's That's right. We were created as, as, uh, uh, relational beings. We need relationship with God. We need relationship with others in order to, to manage that we're, we live in a, we live in a broken world, right? Right. There's a there's a lot of trauma. Everybody out there has faced certain traumas, and and the only way we can manage through it is with God's help and with the the sense that I'm not alone in my pain. That there's others that care about me. First, being God, and then the others in re- that He brings us into relationship with. So, boy, that's powerful stuff. You know, I think back to those words and. The impact and the fear, you know, because again, when you look at those 120 that were gathered together, mm-hmm. they were fearful. Some of them had, as we know, had run and hid. And, and, and so now suddenly they're waiting for something after having been reconciled with the, the presence of the Lord. But they're told to go and wait for that power to come. And that's, that isn't the kind of like the secret sauce, I believe of the new Testament church is the fact that they rather than were walking alongside Christ, which in one way they're still going to do because he said, I'll never leave you or forsake Mm. you. Mm. But the process is because the Holy spirit has now 
come in their hearts yeah. and living inside of them. Mm-hmm. So that presence, as as we hear so often, God plus any one person is a majority. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter because if you've got the presence of the Lord, mm-hmm. and they were promised that by Jesus himself, and the joy that he was talking about there happened in spite of the fact of what he knew was coming. Yeah. yeah. Of the pain and all that he was going to go through. Yeah. Yeah. My, um, you know, my own personal experience was, it was in college that I came to a deeper understanding of the, the importance of the Holy Spirit's work in my life. And, and, uh, it's, it's so many, so many people who have been raised in the church are, what do they say? Six to eight inches from, from really, they've got it in their head, but they don't have it in their heart. Right in their heart. And Jesus, Jesus said, I will be with you. He is Emmanuel, Mm -hmm. right? God with us. I will be in you. His, his spirit. We are, you know, I've done a lot of reading, uh, the work of Dr. Jim Wilder, who would, what I'd call Hmm. a neuro theologian. And he says, you know what? All trauma is a memory without Jesus. It's the sense that I'm alone in my pain. And uh, when we come to a recognition, you know what? God's with us in everything we go through. For those listening to this, you know, he He is as close to you as the breath in your lungs is right now. Yeah. He's with you. But if we don't, if we're not aware of it, if we don't acknowledge it, if we don't understand it, if we don't learn to attune to his presence, then we can feel like we're alone. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's some people listening right now that feel very alone, right? Right. But the recognition is God is near you right now. He yeah. is with you right now. And he cares about everything that concerns you at this moment. And, um, and so learning to simply take a couple deep breaths and say, God, I, I, I am aware. I acknowledge your presence. You're with me. Thank you for being with me. And, and, Grant me an awareness of your nearness. And and uh, Jesus said, hey, my sheep hear my voice. Mm-hmm. A hireling they will not follow. You know, God wants relationship with us. He wants us. That's why he told his disciples in the upper room, guys, you got to learn to abide. Mm-hmm. You know, that the Holy Spirit's going to be with you. He's going to be in you. He's going to teach you of things to come. He's going to remind you of things I've said. He's every going to, word. Yeah. he's going to, he's going to direct your path. He's, you are not alone. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I read, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, the New York times said loneliness is epidemic in our country right now, yeah. but it's only epidemic to those who don't know that God is with them. We are not alone. We are not alone. Yeah. I love that. There's a song that I've been listening a lot to. Andrew Peterson has a, an mm. album out. Do you know him? Have you heard his music? Yeah, I have. I don't I don't know that particular song. Light with. for the Lost Boy, I think is the name mm. of the album that I have. And there's a song on it called Rest Easy. And in there, he talks about we're not alone and mm. that mm. Oh, the Lord already has accepted us. Mm. We're, we're not going to have to worry about this. He said, mm. rest easy mm. because he, he's, we've already been won by the Lord. Mm. And I love that reality that happens when a person can come to that place, Jim, as you were just talking about, and realize that they are not fighting this life alone. They are not going through the battles in spite of everything that we're told. And I know there are a lot of uh, big voices in media today that would just like to uh, just belittle anyone. And and that's happening. We mentioned the the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Uh, He's being belittled right now because he's a Bible-believing Christian. And there are some that would just love to spread stuff out there. But even if they do that, even if they convince some people that their way is the right way, they're not going to win the whole day because the Lord is with those who bear his name. And again, we have the Lord on our side. And so at the end of the day, it's not going to matter. Well, and we can never forget, you know, we, we in America have lived in a bubble, so to speak. I mean, I've traveled to probably 40 nations and work and ministry and 
And um, wow. And in this in this culture, we we tend to um, forget that oftentimes we're being reminded a lot now, but we te- we've tended to forget that we were born into a world at war, spiritual battle. Right. There is a That's war right. for every heart, everybody you care about, everybody you love. There's a battle for their heart, and uh, we've got a very real enemy. And I in you know, America, we we like to um, pretend that there's not a real devil and and real spiritual warfare. Uh, but I can tell you from very direct personal experience, there is a there's an enemy, and he came to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's going to do it in lots of ways if mm-hmm. we'll let him. And we have to we have to be aware that um, that this isn't heaven yet. You know, yeah. we're we're called to bring. You know, Jesus pray, said, taught us to pray, God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Why did he pray that? Because it ain't here yet. His kingdom is not fully on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're praying yeah, to yeah. bring. And, uh, be, and until the time when, when he winds it up, we are in a battle, in a spiritual battle. And Jesus said, beware when men speak, all men speak well of you. Yeah. If they hated me, they're going to hate you too. So it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that because the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they cannot see, you know, and it, you know, I was just, I was just at a uh, gathering in Phoenix last week with 150 other kind of city reaching leaders from around the country. And we had the privilege to hear from Francis Chan and, oh yeah, and, uh, I saw George's picture on that. Yeah. Yeah. Francis was, uh, I mean, I've already listened to his message four times. It was really impactful to me. And, uh, but one of the things he was talking about were some current events. And he said, I want to feel what God feels. I want to have the heart that God has. And he said, I, you know, when I look at the, the Israeli conflict in Palestine now, he says, uh, it's easy to look at it just from a political arena, and certainly we are personally. I'm very much in support of Israel and and uh, their protection. But he said, think about on both sides of that conflict. You know, the the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving; they cannot see. On the Hamas side, you got these guys that, as little children, they were told that if they would die in a holy war, they would get. 39 virgins and they're going to die and stand before a holy God. Uh, and, and it's suffer, not going to work out suffer, the way they thought. suffer judgment. That's right. Well, on the same token, many of the Israeli guys, uh, they have been blinded. There's a veil over their eyes. They're going to stand before a holy God to be judged as well. This is a, Nobody wins in war. Right. Right. Let's pick up on that. I'm up against a break. Jim Subers is my guest. I'll be right back. This is Afternoons with Mike. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Jim Subers is with me. We kind of ran out of time before the break, and I want to pick that conversation right back up. You know, this this is war. I mean, we've got to remember that. And I'd love for you to just continue on with your thought that you have. Well, one of the things, Francis said he said look he said when i was a young man i thought i thought the world was coming to an end and jesus was coming back and boy now it sure looks like it but even peter said the end of all things is near right and he was off a little bit yeah right? yeah it wasn't in his lifetime yeah right? and we we uh we don't know what this is going to lead to right but the thing peter said after he said the end of all things is near he said be sober-minded And that's really, I think, the call to all of us right now. I mean, we see all the craziness that's happening. I heard, I heard one guy say it's a a poly crisis, is what he called it. We Mm. have there's a crisis in 
everywhere. We got a crisis on the border. You know, we don't know who's coming across our border. Or who already has come across. Right. I mean, there may be Hezbollah cells in the United States right now. You know, we just, when you don't know who's coming across and you're letting anybody in, and uh, you've got crisis with the kind of cultural crisis with the, uh, all of the um, uh, transgender issues going on with with, uh, uh, gender dysphoria. You've got crisis in our political arena with the right and the left hating one another and it's it's a poly crisis yeah and so what can happen to all of us is we can kind of get numb and uh and kind of become um uh there's just so much coming at us that we we stop feeling anymore and uh and so the the real issue is is how do we begin to love the neighbor next to us? How do we make a difference in our world today? Not just it's it, you. You mentioned the ecclesia. Ecclesia was the word Jesus used for church. He said, "The gates." Uh, he said, "I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it." It wasn't saying I'm going to build my building with a steeple on it. It's going to, I'm going to build my group of believers, right. influencers in Capital the community. Capital C Church. Yeah. That's who I'm going to build. Yeah. And the gates of hell won't. Pro- but um, we've, we've seen a little bit what appears to be prevailing against us because we've been divided. And it doesn't have to be so. But we're not to be unified in a sense of we're going to take control, we need to be unified in the sense of love because that's what Jesus said. Jesus said that by the way you love one another, the world that's how the world's going to know that you're my disciples. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the opportunity, I think, there has been no greater force for good on the earth in human history than the ecclesia. Mm-hmm. You look, if you look just historically at what's happened over the last 2,000 years with hospitals, generosity, with, with uh, uh, health care, feeding the poor. It's mostly all been the, the cessation of slavery. All of these things have an impetus that comes from the ecclesia, the church, the people of God coming together to put an end to these evils, these injustices. Much of what's being done to try to stop human trafficking now has its roots in the ecclesia. Right, there is no greater force for good on the earth than the Church of Jesus Christ coming together in unity and in love. Right, Uh, and so the opportunity for the church to be the church right now is probably the greatest opportunity ever because you know that he gets us guys that are doing the the ad campaign all over the the country right now. Uh, you know the the family behind that is the uh, the Green family, and the elder brother there said, "How did the greatest love story that's ever been told become hate speech? How hmm. did that yeah. happen?" They said, "We need to get people to reconsider who Jesus is again." And so they they begun these ads, and they they divided up the country into four groups: the atheists who want nothing to do with God, skeptics but open cultural Christians, and true followers of Jesus. And basically, the ads are geared toward the cultural Christians and the skeptics. That's that's the middle 50% of the country. That's where the ads are focused on. And the, as, they, as they use professional research organizations to, to survey these that group of people, it, it's consistent. People are interested in Jesus because he is a man of peace, He's loving, he's forgiving, and he's approachable. But then they ask, tell me what you think of Christians. We're known for being judgmental, angry, legalistic. So there's a disconnect. You got half the country really wants to know this man, Jesus. But we're not doing a good job of representing him well. That's right. And so I agree. So there's a phenomenal opportunity for right. the church to come together, the ecclesia to come together. And all it'll take is a remnant of us mm-hmm. to come together in love for him and love for one another to, uh, to really make a difference. You know, I got to read this from Acts 4 because I think we're in an Acts 4 time right now. Mm-hmm. 
And what happened there was all of the threats had gone out. Uh, Peter uh, and had been preaching, and they were commanded not to do this anymore, and uh, mm-hmm. he'd go shut up, and, and uh, he threatened with mm-hmm. their lives if they continued to preach the name of Jesus. Because they thought they'd gotten rid of Christ. I mean, they thought, you know, the crucifixion was going to end all that stuff. And that just wasn't the case. So the believers go back, and I love this in verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices. So what did they do? They prayed. Mm. This prayer is quite amazing. And here's what they said. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, and who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Mm. And when they prayed that prayer, the Bible says the place where they were meeting, Mm. it just began to shake. Mm. May Mm. God shake us similarly. Amen. That would just be a wonderful thing. Well, and you think 120 to now one third of the world's population confesses the name of Jesus. Yeah. Right. I mean, you went it, they turned the world upside down, but they started as a persecuted minority. Minority. Yeah. Right. I, you know, on a, on a trip to China, uh, I've met with a, uh, I've done a lot of ministry in China, but I met with a one pastor in Xi'an that's a, one of the cities in central China, underground church pastor. He said, Jim, don't, don't pray that persecution ends for the believers in China. That's, we thrive under persecution uh, because we, we know that that's what draw, pushes us to into relationship and dependency mm-hmm. upon yeah. God. He said, what's really killing the church in China is the abundance and the materialism. The, 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 which creates a lack of dependence upon mm-hmm. God. And uh, I found that fascinating coming, you know, what's one of the most thriving church movements in the world right now is in Iran, hmm. is, in, is among, so it's, it's those Christians that are calling for us to nuke Iran. No, you don't want to do that. We've got lots of brothers and sisters in Iran. That the, one of the most thriving church movements in the it's yeah, their government's ungodly and apostate, but but the 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 church is thriving in yeah. Iran, and so it's it's not it's not a simple destroy Hamas. There's there's massive numbers of Palestinians who are loving Jesus in the Gaza. You know, it's not just wipe out the Palestinians. It's and it's. It's these are not simple answers, right? right. This is none a, of it is simple. Yeah, this is yeah. a. Uh, I'm, f- and I'm not saying I'm not fully embracing Israel's security, and and I do believe in that, but it's not about destroying everyone, mm-hmm. and uh, because we have brothers and sisters who are the church is thriving in Iran, the church is thriving uh, uh, in many parts of the Muslim world right mm-hmm. now. Well, these are times where we have to do what they did. We have to pray. And I don't think we'll get the kind of discernment that you're saying we need to have without without prayer. 
I, I think it's impossible, Jim. Yeah. And that's why I love this group that I'm privileged now to be a part of. And I'm sorry I missed that last meeting. Like you said, yeah. my wife's doing better, by the way. Awesome. She's much better. And uh, things are getting back to normal there. But uh, I'm excited about what God is doing among the churches, among the ecclesia in Central Florida. And that ranges not only for Orlando, but in Ocala. I'm going to be up in Ocala this weekend mm-hmm. with uh, our a church up there, First Baptist in Oxford. I'm looking forward to being that. Awesome. Fact is, the pastor from uh, there will be with me this week on on my program here, and I'm yeah, excited awesome. about that. And also on into Gainesville, what God is doing, it's it's not to be underestimated because He is God. Yeah, and, and we are not. Amen. And I I would say I was I've been with this last week with leaders from cities all over the country who are who have the same heart uh of we've got to bring the ecclesia together yeah. put aside our differences come together around the person of Jesus Christ and uh seek the welfare of the city advance the kingdom of God through the way we love one another and the way we serve those on the margins in our communities and uh you know what uh uh, you probably remember the name Dick Halverson. He was the mm-hmm. chaplain of the Senate for many years. Mm-hmm. He said something which I thought was was pretty stunning. He said, you know, the the early church, we've talked about the early church, started as a fellowship of believers around the person of Jesus Christ. He said, he, and I'm, I'm butchering his quote, but you can look it up. He said, then it moved to Greece and became a philosophy. Then it moved to Rome, became an institution. Then it came to America and became an enterprise. Wow. And uh, he said, we need to get it back to a fellowship of believers. You know, if you read it, uh, around the person of Jesus Christ, if you read the New Testament, there's only, I think there's only four references to uh, uh, individual churches, it was always to the church in the city. Mm-hmm. The, the church in the city is the primary reference you see in the New Testament. That That's how God sees the ecclesia. He mm-hmm. doesn't see us on our labels, the individual uh, small group that we're meeting in. He sees the church in the city, and the church in the city needs to come together uh, and not stay separated based on our differences, but come together around the person of Jesus Christ. Because basically... Every one of us have it wrong. I mean, <laughs> to some degree. Yeah, we, absolutely. We, we all have a certain amount of truth that we've got mm-hmm. and a certain amount of error. And we're not going to, we, deception is by definition what we don't know. Right. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's right. So, so I, I'm excited about what God's doing in this time in our, in our nation's history. He chose all of us to be born at this moment in world history. And it's, uh, it is monumental times, but it's a monumental opportunity when you know that 50% of our country wants to know more about Jesus. That's we just got to do a better thing. job of showing them. We do. And that's where we can all join together. What's the website for Vision Orlando? Or, uh, visionorlando.org. And find out more about Jim's work and the work of George Cope as well, who Jim works with, good friend as well. Man, it's been great having you up here talking everything from Gators to Ecclesia. How about that, man? That's pretty great. It's been awesome. Thank you, Jim. And friends, we'll see you next time right here on The Shepherd on Afternoons with Mike.